I was doing a favor for uh, a barber that I that I knew. I knew a bunch of barbers. Um, one of them used to cut my hair, and you know, I used to do some, uh, you know, run errands for them or stuff like that. You know, because I usually used to be around. You know, barbershops are typically the hangout spot. I get pulled over by like the Tri County Drug Task Force, and like. They pull me over and they're just like, they get the yelling at me. They, there's guns pointed. And they're like, get on the ground. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to get to where I'm going. You know? So they take me, they take me into the, the little county place or the, the police station or whatever. They have me handcuffed to a pole. And I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Officer. And he's like, yeah. I was like, uh, how old do I look? You don't know what you don't know. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And when you're a kid, there are these, these concepts, these things that adults do. Have a mortgage. Go to work. Go to college. All these things that you, you kind of take for granted. And if you don't know about them and you're not exposed to them, there's no way that you can really ever figure out what those things are. Unless... Unless there's somebody that, that kind of gives you a little bit of guidance or leads the way for you. And that was the situation Mike was in. Mike was in the last few weeks of, of his grade 12 year, about to graduate high school. Probably one of the happiest times for an adolescent, a teenager, when they think that they're unchained and they can, they're out of the system, the education system, and they can go do what they please. They can go work. And Mike, he didn't really know much about college. It was one of these concepts that he had heard floating around, but he didn't really know what it, what it was or what it meant. And luckily there was, there was somebody who, who saw something in him. That was his counselor amongst a lot of other mentors. And these are mentors that he ended up having throughout his whole life. All these people who realized that he was gifted. He was a smart guy. He was dialed in. He was thoughtful and articulate and all these great things. And so in the last few weeks of, of high school, he ended up applying for college, not knowing whether or not he'd get in, not knowing what he'd do. But he got a full ride. He got a scholarship. And that scholarship was set to lead him down the right path. Until it all got taken away. I'm Ben Grenell, and this is Character. Episode 29, 23Fs. first went to school, I had did, uh, I had played the trombone in college, not in college, in, in, in middle school and high school. And so uh, when I first went off to school, I was like, oh, you know, I went to a historically black university. And one of the big things about, you know, HBCUs is what they call them, historically black colleges and universities, is that they're marching band. They're like, they're really showy. They do great halftime shows in a football game. And so, and it was actually, and it was actually that school that participated during the game that you kind of had to do a fundraiser for that I got the scholarship to. And so uh, when I found out that I got accepted, I was like, oh, they have a great band. I've never been in like a real band before. So let me go. And so I kind of like jumped ship, like the day that they said I could join the band, I got a uh, I left in like two days and went down there. So I participated in that band program for maybe about a year and a half. Most people were on a scholarship from the band. Um, most people were on a scholarship from the band, but I had the, the external scholarship. And so, uh, so that was fine up until I lost my scholarship. But, and so I talked to them um, just saying, you know, I just need something to float me. If you guys could do me, you know, if you guys could, uh, you know, if I get a scholarship from you guys. So they floated me for a semester. Um, 
And that was only a caveat because they did me a favor because after my first semester of college, um, after my first semester of college, I came home and I was visiting my family, you know, Christmas break, all of that. And two days after Christmas, um, I was assaulted uh, coming off one of the trains and I had got my jaw smashed on the left side and split in the middle and I hit with like a lead pipe. So right when it seemed like Mike had already faced enough adversity by having his academic scholarship taken away for reasons that were outside of his control, he thought quickly, he thought on his feet, he figured out a way to work his way through and figure out how he could contribute value to another part of the school, part of the marching band. Last I checked, kind of need to be able to use your mouth, use your jaw, use your your lungs to play play in the marching band, play trombone. And for reasons that were outside of Mike's control once again, he was about to have that opportunity taken away. How he was going to figure it all out? Well, like most situations in his life, he always did. required like surgery my mouth was wired shut and so when I came back to school you know they knew I couldn't play and so I kind of like went through that coasted through that let's say fourth semester I mean that second semester and then they kind of like when they found when I lost my scholarship they were kind of like well you know you kind of been with us for a while we'll float you this semester and then that that was that and and then after that it was more so I did, there were loans and I did um, quite a few questionably legal things to uh, pay for a school. And so uh, mostly loans, but, but when you, when the loans only cover your expense, your school expenses and not even that when you're an out of state student, uh, you have a lot of expenses as far as living and gas and 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 all of those things, and not to mention, you know, your family, your mom's sick back at home. You got younger brothers and sisters, so uh, I participated uh, in a in a lot of, in, in a few things that the statute of limitations may or may not be uh, <laughs> passed. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. You had to get your hustle on is what you're saying. Yeah. And so, uh, and so I, like I've mentioned before, which is also public out there, I, I've mo- most notably, which will probably be the best phrase is that, you know, I've sold uh, goods uh, that came out of China. And so like, just, uh, you know, off name brand stuff that I would get shipped to various addresses across the city and and you know kind of sell them around town and stuff like that to kind of like pay for things but you the thing the thing is you were like you're just in survival mode at that point you know you're like you're it's it's not like you're doing illicit shit because you're like you're you're just trying to like build up a bunch of money you're literally in survival mode being like how do i get through this next stage Right, exactly. And so it's kind of like I'm doing that and trying to do class. There was like a, a huge mix up. Like it's so funny because I talk I talk about this with my wife. Like I'm like, uh, so there was I had to do what I had to do to pay, you know, for school to, you know, buy, you know, send my younger sister to a college tour or something like that, or, you know, buy my youngest brother and sister, you know, maybe some shoes for school or something like that because they need new shoes because they grow like trees. And so I do that. But then at the same time, I find myself in Arkansas in a situation where I transferred my license to, uh, to Arkansas from Illinois 
And somehow they get my license number mixed up with someone that's older than me that has my same name. And this person has a ton of warrants. <laughs> and so, no. yeah. And so, uh, and so it was at a point where, you know, not only, so let's, there's a few things to clear up. And so after, after I, uh, after my jaw was broken, after my jaw was broken, right? And so I had the surgery, things things were, you know, my jaw was wired shut and all of that. Um, I filed a suit against the transit company because they didn't have proper security. And I won that suit to mostly pay for my doctor bills. And so it, so it mostly paid for my doctor bills. I actually, what actually happened was a uh, there was a program for, you know, people who were, who had a, random acts of violence attributed to them. They kind of paid for it. And then once I won that lawsuit, I had to reimburse them that money, which was like, you know, maybe 30 or 40 grand or something like that. And so I won that lawsuit and they kind of paid them off. And then I had a little bit of money left to buy a car. So I got a car. For the record, that car was a bright red Dodge Charger. And Mike had his priorities straight with it. I had to ask him about it being a huge car nerd myself. Yep, Mike put rims on that bad boy. He had his priorities straight. I would have done the exact same thing. The problem was, is with the car, is that it reminded the police of me being a drug dealer. And so, and so that and the mix up between, you know, I don't know if it was a license number or just that guy was known around town. Um, I would get like, Followed back and forth to school. Like I would be going to class, I would be going to class, and you know, randomly just like get pulled over. Like it was even at it was even to a point where like you know I got arrested and missed half a semester of like class because of like I was uh, like mistaken identity, and it was just crazy. Like, what do, you, what do you mean you missed half a semester? Like you got I, you got arrested and you were in jail. Yeah, I was in I was in county jail in Arkansas. What? Okay, hold on. You like you're in school and for mistaken identity you were taken to jail. Yes, and, and that wasn't the first time. Like that was <laughs> what? that was the longest I spent. But I mean, they they arrested me several times. Come on, man. And but like, okay, so you you get pulled over by these cops, and you're like you're like yo, this isn't me. You got the wrong guy, wrong Mike, and they're like, "Yeah, thanks, Mike. You're coming with us, and you you can't do anything because your license is screwed up." Yeah, and so yeah, and so the the very yeah, so that, that time that it was yeah, so that that time that it was like the half a semester thing, like I was literally I was headed so uh, Memphis, Tennessee was like two hours away, so I was headed there to like uh, I was headed there with a couple of friends to go see like a basketball game, Memphis Grizzlies. There was a guy at the, at, on the, on our university team that had a few tickets. He was like, Oh, you guys can come. I'm like, sure, let's go. And so they get pulled over and he's driving and they told him, Oh, you got a warrant. I was like, and you know, they arrested him. And then, uh, and then my, and then there was another guy. He didn't have a license. I was like, it was like, anybody can drive a car. And I was like, oh, he doesn't have a license. I have a license. If I gave him my license. It was like, oh, you got a warrant too? I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean I got a warrant? I haven't did anything. And so, you know, they took me. They took me and the original driver to jail. The basketball team comes out in the, and bails him out. And I just have to sit there. And so that's kind of what happened with that. And then there was another time. There was another time that uh, <laughs> this is the funniest one. This is kind of how I got them to back up off me. And so, you know, there's maybe a, a couple of years that passed because this, they followed me and arrested me on and off for a few years. And so uh, I, the, the, the very last time, now that I think about it, it was like one of the very last times uh, I, I was uh, working or not working. I was, I was doing a favor for uh, a barber that I that I knew. I knew a bunch of barbers. Um, one of them used to cut my hair, and you know, I used to do some, uh, you know, run errands for them or stuff like that. You know, because I usually used to be around 
you know, barbershops are typically the hangout spot. And so uh, I was going to get a, uh, he asked me to, if I could, if I had time, I can go pick up a cake for his, for his son. He was his son, sorry, but I believe it was his son. So I go, I go and I go pick up the cake um, and I'm headed back to the barbershop because, you know, they're going to, you know, get ready to do a surprise for his son and all this stuff. I get pulled over by like the Tri-County Drug Task Force and like they pull me over and they're just like, they get the yelling at me. They, there's guns pointed. And they're like, get on the ground. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to get to where I'm going, you know. Uh, uh, and, and then I was like, uh, they were like, oh, can we search the car? I was like, of course, no, but they searched it anyway. They smashed the cake, (laughs) (laughs) which somebody else paid for. They smashed the cake looking for drugs. And then they're just like, oh, we're going to bring you in and X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay. So they take me, they take me into the the little county place or the the police station or whatever and had me handcuffed to a pole and I'm like okay so I'm sitting there and there's a guy the, the officer a different officer he came in to fill out some of the paperwork you know name all that stuff so this was probably and this is why it lightened up because it was the first time someone like sat around me as I was uh as as they were doing the paperwork and you know he's asking me my name and my date of birth and I, I get to see the paper and I'm like, um, excuse me, Mr. Officer. And he's like, yeah. I was like, uh, how old do I look? And he was like, oh, you look about, uh, um, about 21, 22. I'm like, I'm 23, close enough. <laughs> and so I'm like, uh, what does that birth date say on that paper? He was like, uh, um, April 4th, 1964. Come on, dude. <laughs> That guy, how did he, he would even mistake you? Like, that guy's, like, 50 years old. Yes, I'm like, I was born in August of 1987. That's clearly not me. And so he's like, oh, my God, something, something, something. And like, and it's funny because when they pulled me over, I was, like, when I say I had that cake, the plan was was to go drop the cake off and go take an exam, right? And so, like, because of this whole this whole debacle, you know, it winds up, you know, he apologizes and he brings everybody in and we talk about it. And then I actually have to get them to write a note to my, to my, uh, to my instructor as to why I missed the exam. Because at this point in time, I had been pulled over so many times that they thought I was making it up. I had been pulled over and arrested so many times that, that they thought I was making it up. So I actually had to have the police department write an excused absence for me in order to like, you know, not get an F on that exam. And so, uh, uh, but why couldn't like th- they arrested you so many times and pulled you over? Why couldn't they get you straight? Like after the second time, why do they keep thinking you had a warrant? I mean, I don't know. And, and then, but then I feel as though at some point it became more than just the, uh, once they had an eye on the vehicle, it was just an eye on the vehicle because they were like, I had a roommate. My roommate didn't have a car. We were living in an apartment. And so they would follow my roommate. And so then he was driving my car. And so I don't get it. I don't know if it was just, they just knew that I was affiliated with whatever drugs or, or whatever, but it's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's just what happened. And, and, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's very unfortunate. And that's, that's one of a few stories, uh, that I've had to deal with them in the police, but it was never, I was never in a position to ever really talk to them. I'm like, yo, this isn't me. Y'all have the wrong guy. It wasn't until like, I saw some paperwork and I'm like, yo, y'all, you all are not reading what's actually on these warrants. Y'all are just arrested me. Yeah. So, uh, that's brutal, man. Like that's so bad. That's so bad. But you know what's so crazy is like <laughs> like you were literally being just fed shit sandwiches left, right, and center. And you just kept like grinding through it. You still finish university. Then you go go on to grad school. You know, like so many people would just be like, dude, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. I'm over this. But it wasn't – but it, it, I mean, it really wasn't that simple, right? 
Yeah. I kind of, I had kind of had to beg to get into grad school. Right. And so I was, so I talked to, uh, I was talking to a young man, maybe, uh, maybe, this is maybe about three or four months ago, maybe in a year. I'm not sure. And, um, you know, he, he was trying to say, oh, it must have been easy for me. You know, he was doing the same major I, I was doing, or he planned to do it. And he was like, you must have had it so easy. You're so smart and all of this. I was like, man, you just don't know my struggle. <laughs> well, but that's uh, the thing, man. Like, no, no, no. You could have given up, right? Like, you had to beg to get into grad school. You could have just yeah. been like, dude, I'm out. I'm so over this. Like, I'm just going to go find a job. I'm done. But yeah, you- but, but here's the problem. I couldn't get a job because um, because of the situations of being randomly arrested and, and missing classes and missing exams and stuff like that, by the time I graduated, it took me six years to graduate college. Um, during that amount of time, I had garnered 23. I had failed a class 23 times. No way. Just because of I, all the all the crap you had to like, push through. I, I, I can show you my transcript. I have 23 failures. And, most, and the vast majority, because some people were nice, they put them as university failures, which means you just didn't attend enough to actually complete the course or for us to even give you a grade. That's so crazy. And so, and so when it came time to graduate school, um, my the the department chair he kind of knew that I knew what I was doing in my major, and so he kind of sent me out to North Carolina. I met the guy over the program. Um, I met the guy over the program, and he and he was like, "Oh, you can come," and all this other stuff. I was like, "Oh," and I explained to him my situation while I'm sitting in his office. He was like, Oh, it's fine. And so I applied to the program, uh, the, the fall semester before I graduated. So I graduated in spring, but I probably didn't fall semester. He's like, Oh, everything's going to be fine. I get a letter back mid spring. It's like, you didn't get accepted. I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't get accepted. I talked to you specifically and you were like, it's okay. Like, why would you get my hopes up? Like, why would you get my hopes up to, like, have me come here and then you saying you're going to work with me or whatever. And then it's just like, it's whatever. And so they were like, well, so I called, I called him, I called the school and, and, you know, they were like, well, if you just bring your, your GPA up, you know, 0.1 will bring you in. And I think I had like a two point, like seven at this at the time and it was like if you could get it to a 2.8 we can let you in the graduate school program and so i was already on track to get that but like the stress of having to finish semester where you know your whole livelihood is kind of on the line because you can't get a job in my field with a 2.7 and so it's it, and so like the pressure and all of that that built up to that it was it was it was terrible and you, um, it, it was, it was, you're in software, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a software engineer. Yeah. Yeah. So you like your, your degrees in like computer science or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Like, and so, it, and so the main thing was from this little bitty black school in Arkansas, nobody's going to give you a job with a 2.7 GPA. And so that's, I, I had no choice, but to get into somebody's graduate school. That's so crazy. If they let me in. Like you, it's so crazy just like thinking about everything because you had a scholarship. You thought like, okay, this is cool. I'm in. I can go through school and not worry about the financial stress. Then that gets taken away from you. And then you're worried about trying to make payments while you're being taken out of school, not under your own will. And so you're paying to like be, you're paying for school, but you're in jail and you're like, how am I ever going to finish this thing? It's not my fault. Yeah. That's so wild, man. That's so wild. But that's the hustle, right? Like that was that was your mindset. You're just like, dude, I got to do this. I got to get through it. And then you weren't willing to just settle for like, yeah, I'm just over it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's true. I mean, my main thing is I – like I look back at it now and I'm like, you know, I hustled and I'm like, yo, I, I, you know, I hustled to do what I had to do. But the main thing, my goal has always been, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't want to be poor again. 
And so, and, and so like, I knew what it felt like to not have money and to not have a place to sleep. Like, like going back to like high school, there was a point in time where, you know, my family just didn't have a place to stay like at all. Like we were living out of a, a, a hotel for, you know, a few, you know, maybe about $70 or 30, maybe 30 or $40 a night. And so my mom, when she was able to work, she was going, she was going to work at night to pay, you know, the hotel fee because we lost our place because she was sick. But then when she was able back to work, you know, she's trying to get us through so we can, you know, have a place to stay. But during that time, you kind of have to save money and have a record, income background. And so she's going to work at night to pay, you know, the hotel fees and also save money working doubles, you know, from three o'clock in the afternoon to seven or 8 a.m. in the morning. And then I'm working at a local community center getting $73 a week. And then I'm using that for food to pay for me and my brothers and sisters. And we're all living in a hotel. And so like, or even after we got out of the hotel, you know, for when there was a miscommunication between us and the hotel staff, we kind of had to stay, we, we low key had to stay in a van behind like my, my grandmother's old burnt out building. And, you know, my grandmother's grandfather's old burnt out home. And so like, I never wanted to go back to that. And so my thing was that I'm going to do what I could to, you know, to, to, to make this, uh, to, to, to not have to go back there. And then especially since my mom was sick, but even though I had my own motivation, I was really able to only do any of that because there were, there were a few people uh, in positions of power who believed in me. And so that kind of is what helped me out. Like when it came to the job that paid me $73 a week, you know, that was a, a guy over the community center that believed in me. And so he kind of talked me, you know, about going to school and stuff like that. It's kind of where I had that talk. And then when I was at the university, there was someone who was understanding of the situation I was going through. And then so they were like, you know, it's kind of not your fault. You know what I mean? Anybody else, if I was in a different situation or if I was, you know, I can even look at some of my cousins who haven't been afforded those those individuals that ha- that were in a position of power to help them. And they're may they may not they're not doing too well, or some of them aren't doing too well. But because I was kind of like right place, right time, right mentality, um, I was able to like, you know, do certain things. And I'm only saying that because this isn't a this is definitely not a pull yourself up by the bootstrap story. This is that I, I did what I was supposed to do, but then it really only worked because I had a ton of help. Yeah, it's man, it's so wild because like if if you didn't have that person pushing you to or to even like give you exposure to what college is like you could have just graduated high school yeah. and it's not that you wouldn't have wanted to grind it's that you just wouldn't have even known that was an option you know like you in your, yeah, yeah deep down you'd be like yo i want to get uh, like i don't want to be in this situation but if you don't know what you don't know, like you don't know this thing called college exists or like maybe you've heard of it, but you don't really know what it's about, then you're not, you're not going to pursue that path. So it's like, if that, if those few people didn't like just give you the extra push and uh, give you a little bump up, like it, it could be a different story right now. Right. Because it was that person over that community center that actually helped me to pick my program. And so when I was like, oh, I'm going to college, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to pick. And he, and I had been working in their computer lab and he was and he was just like, oh, well, why don't you study computers? You know, that's just what they were saying back then, to study computers. And the only thing they had at that school was computer science. So I was like, oh, I'm going to let me do computer science. And that, that's just how that's just how I ended up <laughs> in the field that I, that I'm in. And so uh, it's just funny because that people, people always look at me crazy when I tell that story, because most people, you know, when they tell you to go to school and go get a career, they say, do what you love and all that other stuff. And there's two things. There, there's one thing that I, that I find that I just don't, I work for money, period. It, that's the only reason I do any type of work ever in life. 
Like, it's not about, I don't, I don't particularly love anything that I do, but I also don't hate it. Right. I've worked at McDonald's. I've worked at movie theaters. I've did a lot of stuff. I worked in my grandfather's field. Like I, I would still be working at McDonald's to this day if it paid enough, but it doesn't. And so, and so I do my job because of the money that it pays, not because of some grand uh, idea of wanting to, you know, contribute to some type of higher learning or because it fulfills me in some type of way. No, I'm only here for the money. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's also because of where you came from too, right? Like you came from a place where when money is, when, when money isn't rampant, right? Like money's a, a bit of a, a struggle and, and you see it firsthand and all you ever want to do is take that off of the table, right? So it's like as soon as you can take that off of the table, then you get into a different place, right? Yeah, and and, and yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, and then as I go forward now, and I don't know where we are in the timeline of the situation, but you know, it's funny because I try to do that, and I try to major in the in the program that's going to pay me the quote unquote big bucks but then when you get there and then you have a ton of loans it's like man after you deduct the loan payments i might as well be working at mcdonald's <laughs> yeah, yeah. your your net is better at mcdonald's no but it's but it gets to a better place right like that's what it sounds like yeah. you and tammy are trying to do it's like you're not you're not trying to do anything for like any status shit or anything. It's just that you're like, you just want to create a better life for like you as a family and your daughter so that, uh, so that you feel comfortable and you can have these opportunities where it's like, there's no such thing as learning about college anymore because that's what you're around is you're around, you're around that mindset, that environment of just like, Hey, we uh, like, you guys are both super educated. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know what the percentage is, but very few, like it's a small percentage of people that even have PhDs. Right. I mean, she, she has her. Yeah. Um, no, um, man. You, you, no, you, you, no, no, dude, you, you have yours too. Like the fact that whether or not you finish because of whatever circumstances you went to school, you did the program for however long that's still like you still quote unquote have your phd whether or not it's finished who cares it's more that like you went down that path like it's a small dude it's a small percentage i mean i've done i've done my uh masters i did uh like my master's of business so i did my mba in 20 2012 is when i graduated um but yeah man like i was talking to some of the the profs about it and it's like it's like a decimal of a percentage in north america that have phds yeah yeah it's true and and it's so funny because this goes back to what i said about like luck um because i have so many stories but i'm gonna i'm gonna skip the, the the first bout of graduate school where my advisor told me that i'll never achieve anything um and so, like, when I was at that part of graduate school working on my master's, um, actually, I have to include it, actually. And so, so I was working on, so while I was working on my master's, I went to another historically black college uh, university in North Carolina. And so I went from Arkansas to North Carolina. So I go there and first day, and, fir- and first day of, like, uh, First, first day after like orient, first day of orientation, you know, they they introduce the whole program, the college, all all this other stuff. He brings me and another young man, or two other young men in my two other young men into his office. This is the chair of the program, and so one of the young men I knew because he came with me from the same undergraduate school. Okay, so he brings us in there, and he said he pretty much says. Well, you guys are here. Your school is trash. Your degree doesn't mean anything. And I highly doubt that you're going to make it out of here. And so we're like, okay. So he kind of like signs us up. He's like, well, if you're going to be able, because this is the same guy that said, oh, 
you could come here. I understand your story. You can come and uh, you can come and do this. And then at the same time, I get that rejection that I have to, you know, barely scrape by to do. Like I didn't get approved until I was already on campus. And so, um, and so I'm there and, you know, he's like, well, you have to sit in this undergraduate class. You have to do this. You're going to be in this lab. And so he was like, we, we, I did that work for that first semester. And then um, I, I did loans for that semester, right? Because it's graduate school, usually in science or whatever you, you, usually people pay for you to go to school, but because I didn't have like the grades or whatever, you know, going in, it was like, oh, you know, I have to take out loans. But I knew that that was important because, you know, I didn't have the grades and, you know, I couldn't get a job. And so I bust my ass that that first semester. And like at the end of that semester, I get my grades and I got like straight A's. And like I got that, I checked my, I remember where I was. I was walking at the apartments uh, across the street from campus and I had checked on my phone and I was in the middle of the street and I like broke down in tears, like tears, like sobbing in the middle of the street because it was like the first time in like five, in five years that I was able to like attend class and actually do my work. And like to see that 4.0, like I, I was inconsolable. Like I boohooed. And so I get past that, that emotional high or whatever. And then that following semester, they, he was like, oh, you know, they were like, oh, you did okay. You kind of got your way into the program. We'll pay for this semester, right? So I'm thinking everything's good. I made it. Like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm set, you know, no more loans, no nothing. And so as that goes on, I realize that he treats me more as a favor to, let's say, my old school than he does an actual competent student. And so, um, and so he really put me in situations where he called me like stupid or, or like incompetent or, or like not having basic fundamentals of like writing or understanding. Like there was one time in particular, like I, 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 I BS you not. Like I was writing a paper and during our review of a paper in his office, he pulled out the Bible and we read scripture because he thought I didn't know about wisdom. Come on. No, and it gets better and it gets better. But when he pulled it out, because at that time I had dreadlocks because I just cut them like a couple months ago, but I'm growing back. But he, but, you know, he was like, oh, you know, what do you know about wisdom? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you know what the Bible says about wisdom? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So he pulls out. No, he says, he's like, do you know, you know about wisdom? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. So he pulls out his Bible. And he's like, oh, well, let me go to what the Bible says about wisdom. And he pauses and he puts his hand forward. He was like, well, are you one of those Quran guys? Come on. I bullshit you not. And I was like, yo, I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> Dude, it's, this is so absurd. This is so absurd. This <laughs> It's so absurd. Like these, like it's so funny because I'm like these things only happen to me. And so he's like, yeah. So or you want these? But wait, it, I was like, it, I don't know. Where is this is. okay? Is this guy, this advisor guy, is he Caucasian? No, he's not. Wait, wait, that's, wait, that's the crazy. Wait, wait, part. wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So wait, this guy is African American, and he asks you if you're Muslim. Yes. Come on. I mean, because uh, from what from what I know and his thing, he was from what I heard about him is that he was big into church and all this other stuff, and so, um, and you know, I I don't know, but he asked me, he was like, "Oh, am I one of those Quran guys?" Apparently, he may have been ready for that too. I, I don't know, but and so, but we sat in his office and we read scripture oh, <laughs> before dude. we finished working on my. Paper. Oh my god! And so, dude, this is so crazy. And like, not to digress too much, but 
from what I know of you and Tammy, like you both are, uh, like you're both, uh, pretty faithful and you go to church on Sundays and it's like, <laughs> this is so crazy, man. This is so crazy. Yeah. It's just, I was like, I don't even, I don't, like, it's like, I don't even know where you got that from, but I can't, I can't go off on you in the way I want to, because you hold the, you hold my livelihood or future livelihood in your hands. So I'm like, okay, let's read scripture. Let's do that. And then let's finish this paper, whatever. And so I finished that semester. So like I said, semester number one. So I, I graduated in three semesters. The first semester, and no, no funding, loans, all that. You know, I had to get loans and all that. You know, I do well. Second semester, he, you know, he gives me funding. And, you know, that's when we kind of read scripture in his office and he treats me like trash. Like, like outside of that one time, he, he low key called me a stereotype. Like I tell, I tell people he called me the N word, right? He, he called me a stereotype. And so, and, but he didn't say it directly. What he said was I was, I was sitting around, I was sitting amongst my, uh, my lab mates, uh, a couple of which are Caucasian. And he's like, you know what? You, you know what, Michael? You, you don't want to be in grad school. You don't, you don't, you don't want to get your master's. You just want to go back to Arkansas, uh, chill out with your homies, sit on your car and drink Kool-Aid. Come on, man. And in that moment, I wanted to fight him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, did you just, did you just call me out my name? Like, number one, I'm not from Arkansas. Number two, I had Kool-Aid <laughs> in about four years. <laughs> number three, I love me some red yeah. Kool-Aid. And number four. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it, it would be little smug comments like it that. And then so, so condescending. Very kind, very condescending. He would often tell me how we're how how I'm not as smart as the other people that work under him, dude. Dude, and number four, don't ever call me Michael again. <laughs> only my mother calls me Michael. Bro, that is the only person that calls me Michael. Like that is the only person that calls me Michael. <laughs> and so, and so, these random events happen. And, and towards the end of the semester, he's like, well, you know, you know, Michael, here you go call me Michael again. And he's like, I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, pay for your school moving forward. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. More loans. All right. And so, but luckily for me, and I'm going to tie this back to what I was saying before, uh, my undergraduate school they had taken some students out to South Carolina. I was in North Carolina at the time and it takes some schools, out, some students out to Clemson, South Carolina. And so uh, I was like, Oh, well, let me go down. Let me drive down. It's about maybe a three and a half hour drive. Let me go see, you know, some of my old classmates, my old advisor, you know, this is March, you know, this is before he told me, this is before he told me he's not going to give me any money and I'm going to have to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket. And so I go down there and uh, and I, I, I see my old classmates and then I see the new uh, I see the new the new chair of computer science at the university. And the crazy thing is, is that I had met her. Three or four years ago. No, the, the, like two, no, two or three years ago, because she had did a presentation at my school because she used to be at a school in Arkansas. And so when, so when I met her, she was like, Oh, I heard about you. You do good work. You should come here and get your PhD. And I was like, what? And she, and she was like, yeah, your old advisor told me you were doing well. And so you should come here. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So then when I go back to my, my program in North Carolina, he's like, uh, you, know, you don't have any money. I was like, oh, okay. And then just like the day before, the day after, she's like, oh, well, you can come here and work over the summer and, you know, we'll, we'll help you save some money. So 
so you can finish your program. I was like, oh, that sounds great. And so I go down to South Carolina over the summer and midway through the summer, he calls me like, well, you know, what are you doing? I was like, I'm working. He was like, oh, where are you working? I'm like, I'm working at this university. He's like, oh, how did you get there? I was like, well, you know, this person, you know, offered me, you know, money to help me pay for my, uh, pay for my school. And they said, you know, I can come down there, you know, to work on my, you know, doctorate or whatever. And then he's like, oh, well, well, I, I was just thinking that, you know, I think we found a little bit of money for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so like, and so, you know, he offered me just a tad bit of change, but, it, but the the caveat was he wanted he wanted me to uh, to enroll in the the program at the school I was currently at because he was trying to get that program off the ground and I was like no after the way you treated me there's no way I'm not about, I'm about to deal with you for you know an indefinite number of years like like and I'm skipping over like a lot of details of the crazy things that this man said to me. And it's unfortunate because I thought going into the situation that he would have been someone that I could just, you know, look to as a mentor and things of that nature. But, you know, it, I, and I, and I don't want to make this about race, but, you know, if I, if I wanted people to talk down to me, I'd go find me some, I'd go find me some white people. Now, it's easy to be caught off guard by this comment. And honestly, I don't want anybody to be judging Mike on it. I don't think that's fair. He doesn't mean anything by it. He's just kind of stating facts. He's stating the facts of the things that he's faced as an African-American person, male, 30-year-old male, living in the United States. Based on the experiences he's had based on the news stories that come out on a daily basis. This type of racial profiling is is rampant and I don't agree with it. I think it's it's insane that in 2018 we still have these these differences that that people for some reason they can't work out. They can't remove their biases. So Mike Mike isn't isn't trying to uh, poke at all Caucasian people. I mean, honestly, I understand where where he was coming from when I reached out to him, and he was probably a little bit hesitant to say, why would I want to share my story with this random guy that I don't really know, except for we'd had some exchanges through Instagram, a couple DMs back and forth over the course of a few months, but... He doesn't mean anything by it. He's just kind of stating the facts. Stating the facts of his life. And this kind of stuff, it really bums me out that in 2018, we can't move past this. Not from Mike's perspective, but from everyone. Everyone who holds on to their biases that causes tension between people of different genders, cultures, ethnic backgrounds, colors. It's not right. Anyway, back to Mike. Like they talk to me down enough. They have talked to me in a worse way enough over the course of my lifetime, you know, police included, that I don't need this. <laughs> and so it's so crazy that, that like you guys, it's, it sounds like you guys were cool until he was like, <laughs> yo, <laughs> Uh, like, we don't have a place for you here. Like, when he was, like, trying to get you to come, he's like, okay, come, come, come. And then all of a sudden, he's like, hey, man, we can't make this work. And you're like, what do you mean we can't make this work? And then from that point on, he was just a huge asshole. Yeah, it, I never thought about it like that. But, yeah, that's 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 kind of that's kind of what happened. And so... Because you, you were looking at him like a mentor. Like, you were like, yeah, man, this guy's going to get me on my feet. I'm in grad school. He's helping me move forward after all this jail shit that I've had to deal with and then all of a sudden he's like he's like the corrupt police again but he just is sitting at a university yeah yeah he becomes the enemy and so and and I and I and I never understood that and that's why I said that like going back like I said I was going to connect those stories is that that lady I met in South Carolina 
was someone that was like, she saw something and was like, oh, well, you can come here. And so it's people like her that I've had throughout my journey to kind of like help me get somewhere. And so, and it, it's through her that I found the job that I have now and stuff like that. And so it's really luck. Like, yes, I kind of tried to do my best, but I was lucky. I met some great people along the way. Yeah. And, and so that was like, that lady was at Clemson. That's where you went to. Yeah. So that's where you did or started your PhD. And then where did you and Tammy end up meeting? So me and Tammy met while I was in North Carolina. Uh, she was in North Carolina and she was finishing her, uh, her PhD or she was in a PhD program. And so um, we actually met and I think we said, uh, well, we actually met on Match.com. Oh, sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, so that's how we met. Um, that story is kind of crazy how that happened. And I kind of got talked into doing it by like a friend's girlfriend or something like that. A friend of mine's girlfriend. And I was kind of like bored because that first semester, after that first few months in North Carolina, I was didn't have anything to do. I spent Christmas kind of like by myself, New Year's by my, well, no. Yeah, I kind of spent Christmas by myself and holidays by myself. And I was like, oh, well, there's a free trial. Well, why not? At least I can go out on a date and get out the house, get out the apartment I was staying in. And then I came across Tammy and we exchanged some messages. We wound up going out. I think the first, I well, from the moment that she said that she would actually go out with me, I was like, no. That's the one right there. <laughs> and so like, and so, you know, we kind of dated, we kind of dated through there and had our ups and downs and we got engaged, uh, was that February to November, about eight months later. So, That's so wild, man. Yeah. That's so wild, man. You've had such a crazy journey. One thing that I w- hasn't come up yet. Now my interest is intrigued is it was, I think you were like, ending off the last five minutes of your last episode and you were talking about like i can't remember how it came up about getting shot at and you're like yeah until you've heard those bullets go past you or something (laughs) so so i so i told you how i came from uh california to illinois and so when i when i moved so when i was in california uh, my last grade year in California, I was in the third grade. And when I moved back to Illinois, I was nine years old. I should have been started in the fourth grade. Okay. And so, but the thing was, is that the school system where I was at in that particular part of California was actually pretty advanced. And so when... And so when I moved, so when me, so when we, so when my family moved back to Illinois, I actually tested into a higher grade level. And so uh, me and my older sister, we both tested into a higher grade level. And, uh, and so I skipped the fourth grade and went right into fifth grade. And so uh, it, so in, so I started fifth grade and then because of like budget cuts and stuff like that, there is like a, you know, we, like I said, I was in a, a lower income community uh, at the time and uh, they had, they, they were condensing classrooms. So they had moved like sixth graders into my uh, fifth grade class. And so like the teacher was kind of like teaching both. And so I'm in there doing my work. I'm actually doing work for like both assignments for both classes or whatever and uh and so I'm doing I'm doing my thing I want to say her name so bad which is my teacher but I can't uh, and so I'm I'm doing what's Miss H we're gonna call her Miss H I'm doing Miss H's uh work and uh and it's all fine and dandy I'm helping I'm doing my work I'm helping some of the sixth graders who were from the the, the area and stuff like that uh, and so they kind of they kind of found me interesting because you know I was kind of like a book guy, and so one of the things I, I'll give you this tidbit: 
I used to trade help assistance in their work for protection. And so nobody would mess with me if I, you know, because I was helping them with their work. But anyways, uh, like, cause you, like the sixth graders, cause you're like 10 at this point yeah, and they're like 12 probably. Right. And so, uh, and so, and so that established a longer relationship that actually plays into like college or whatever. But, um, and so there was a situation where I was at my grandmother's house. I was at my grandmother's house and you'll see why I skipped from my, uh, from school at my grandmother's house. So I was at my grandmother's house and we, me and my, uh, me and my family, we were playing um, basketball on the street. And so me and my cousins were playing basketball on the street. And I think maybe my brother, me and my brother, my sister and some cousins, well, me and my brother and some cousins were playing basketball on the street. And then, you know, this is back in the day, this, you know, before you, People were going and buying those little portable basketball systems that they would fill with like sand and or water or whatever. You know, we used to have like we used to we had a homemade a homemade basketball like goalposts and goal and everything with you know a big piece of wood and then some plywood as a backboard and then you kind of drew around it for the the square and then and then for the uh, for the hoop. It was an old milk crate. It was, it was an old milk crate. So they, we kind of went from we kind of went from that, and then so we used to play on that. And then actually, we kind of switched that like relatively recently. We switched to one of the uh, to one of the mobile ones that you fill with sand and water, or whatever. So we we had just switched because that thing had been around forever. And so like we're kids, we're excited. You know, I'm nine nine years old. You know, I'm hella excited. We're doing our thing. Uh, you know, like, oh, this is a real basketball goal. They got a net, <laughs> you know, no more milk crate. <laughs> and so we're playing basketball, you know, uh, where, where I'm from, we used to call it 21. First to get to 21, there's other rules around it, but yeah, dude, love that game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we're playing, and then the guy, the guy next door to my grandmother, and it's her neighbor's house. We don't, I, I, I can use the name, Mr. Bobby. Mr. Bobby's house is to the right. If you look at directly at my grandmother's house, to the right is Mr. Bobby's house. And then to the right of that is an open field. There's like nothing there. You know, it's an open field. Um, they eventually close off the street, but at this moment in time, I believe there's an open field. And in front of that open field, there's the basketball goal. It used to be the the basketball, the homemade one that was planted there, been there for years, and then it just recently got replaced with, you know, the more traditional, you know, mobile goal, you know. And so we're there, we're playing basketball, and Mr. Bobby comes, and he pulls up. I can't remember if it was him or somebody that was with him. One of those people were driving a car, and they parked under the goal and we're like we're playing what are you doing and he doesn't move and so I can't remember if it was my sister or another one of my cousins or or something like that and they were like well keep playing because he clearly got because there's space in front of his home but you know enough space where he can get out of our way but you know, he parks on our goal. So we keep playing and the ball hits the car. And so they get out and get all up in my cousin's, or my sister or my cousin's face. And so, you know, she's like, you know, well, you shouldn't have did this. You shouldn't have did that. We were out here playing and all this other stuff. And he puts like his hands on her. And my uncle sees this from my grandmother's house. He comes out. And, you know, he's like, you're not finna touch this young lady. And, you know, they kind of get into a small altercation. And then they kind of, it kind of like dissipates for a second. Mr. Bobby and whoever he was with kind of go in the house. And then they come back out. And then all of a sudden you hear bullets, you hear gunfire. And so you, you pop, 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 pop. And so, and so like everybody kind of like, 
jets. And so we're, so we're running. And so I run from to the house that's across the street from my grandmother's house because their house is made out of brick. My their house is made out of brick. So I run, I dash up the steps, I dive over over their porch because that's like nothing but brick, and everybody's running, my family's running, and uh, and that's kind of what happened with that. And so you know, police come, ambulance come. I think I had an aunt that was like scraped by a bullet. Yeah, I had an aunt that was scraped by a bullet. All of that stuff happens, right? And so they they arrest, you know, the people next door, like, you know, because, you know, you just can't be out here shooting at people because that, you know, that's not the way you should live life. And, you know, we all go about our life. Go forward, you know, just a little bit of time. There's a there's a complication at at my school with you know, maybe some paperwork or, you know, my birthday, you know, after I've been in school, ace and work for the fifth and sixth grade. And so they're like, well, after half a year, they're like, uh, they're like, you're going to have to go. This is not going to work out. You're going to have to go back to fourth grade. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And my mom's like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, you got to go back to fourth grade. This isn't working out, but it, I have straight A's in both in all the fifth grade and sixth grade work. And so they kind of put me back in fourth grade. So I spent, I spent half a, so I did one and a half years of fifth grade and only half a year of fourth grade. But my original fifth grade teacher, Mrs. H was actually Mr. Bobby's daughter. No way. Yes. No way. And so Mr. Bobby, like, was he was he or the guy with him was the one who shot at you guys, and you were cool with Mrs. H. I mean, she was just a teacher. I didn't make any, didn't make any difference who she was at the moment. But I wasn't cool. But I mean, all I know is that I was doing well, and then altercation happens. Then they say, For, "Forget your grades. We're moving you back a grade, even though you tested into." the fifth grade, your ace in the fifth grade and the sixth grade work, but you have to go back to the fifth grade. That sounds like some inside stuff, man. So I'm not saying that they did anything, but I find it as a major coincidence that I after that whole altercation, which I which is why I believe that it was my sister, that and the quick tongue. And that, you know, my sister gets into it with him and then all of a sudden that I end back up in the fourth grade. Because it didn't happen with my sister. My sister skipped the grade and she was at a different school because she's older. She's four years older than me. And she didn't get moved in any way, shape, or form. Everything for her is fine. But me, being in Mr. Bobby's daughter's class, I have to go back to the fourth grade. There we go. There you have it. Part two. Big Mike's story love talking to Mike. He's uh he's always good to have conversations with him when when we were catching up over this whole podcast series that we were doing. Um, we always kind of fell into these side conversations about all these other things we connected on. So that's kind of the cool thing about this digital renaissance, this digital world that we live in. You get to connect with all these people that you have similar interests and you can have interesting conversations too where um, maybe you've got uh, different insights about some of the, the current issues in the world or different insights about topics that you're generally interested in. And uh, yeah, Mike and I, we had some good conversations. So appreciate Mike and everything that, that he did all the time he took to, to record this. So Mike and Tammy, this is for both of you and your sweet little daughter. Never met her, but she sounds sweet just because you talk about her all the time. So this is for all three of you. Anyway, this episode's brought to you by Cedar and Moss. C-E-D-A-R-A-N-D-M-O-S-S dot com. Cedar and Moss makes mid-century modern lighting. And it's one of those things where sometimes it doesn't hurt to have a brass light fixture. Sometimes you just need a nice gold light bulb why not who doesn't need them i just got a bunch 
they're not up yet my house that thing's taking forever to come along but one day it'll be done apparently it'll be done and I appreciate everyone who's helped out with it I appreciate the contractors working on it and, and his crew Kevin Mallon that guy he's got to get a shout out so Kevin Mallon that guy's just getting a shout out because I love that guy so much he's just a killer guy and he'll probably never hear this but that doesn't matter I'm just sending the good vibes out there Kevin Mellon, props to you for installing all those cedar and moss lights. When you do it, one day, it'll get done. The show is also brought to you by F Apparel, EPHapparel.com. Go check them out. Custom tailor fitted suits made to your liking. You could get a pink suit with diamonds on it. I got diamonds on the inside of one of my suits, pink diamonds, because you can Enter promo code CHARACTER at checkout. Get 20% off your next suit order. Thanks to me and Molly for the music too. And uh, we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all you.